Are you ready for me to complain, actually? Because I've got a complaint real quick. Sure. Uh, totally unrelated to Star Wars. So I said last week that my Instagram Explore page is inundated with Raylo stuff. Well, something I left out, it's simultaneously just with the Raylo stuff, I'm being bombarded with Timothy Chalamet pictures and stuff. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. I looked up Dune one time, like a month ago, and ever <laughs> since then, it's just been pictures of Timothy Chalamet. I'm like, okay, show the rest of the cast. Show Jason Momoa. I actually follow Jason Momoa, but they don't recommend that. <laughs> just like, what is wrong with you? But no, it's not just like pictures of them. It's stuff like, like there was one and I don't ever click on them because I know if I do Instagram will be like, Hey, he really likes this. Let's show more. But I can see the little thumbnail previews. There was one and it was like, it's this weird fan fiction. It's like, imagine you're a TSA employee and you've been checking passport photos all day long. And all of a sudden a young man steps up and slips you this passport with this photo. And it's like this effeminate picture of like Timothy Chalamet. And I'm like, what is going on? Why am I seeing this? I didn't ask for this. I just want to look at web comics and skateboard videos and star Wars stuff. That's all I want from Instagram. Jeez. Mine. I'm mine uh, is usually, and I'm looking at it right now. It's mostly NFL stuff. Um, and uh, Star Wars. All right, you're a jock. Stuff. We get it. We get it. And Star Wars related <laughs> stuff and Elvis stuff. Those three things. Um, wow, <laughs> you diversify, don't you? <laughs> you're listening to the Movie Wasteland podcast with Brady. Yep. And Ryan. I hate them. And welcome back to the Movie Wasteland with Brady and Ryan. I'm Brady. He's Ryan. Say hey, Ryan. Hey. <laughs> now, I've been excited to talk about this movie, Attack of the Clones. And I must say, I've kind of been thinking about this for a while. Is Attack of the Clones the nerdiest movie title in cinema history, Brady? Because I don't know. It's pretty dorky. Jupiter Ascending could probably get yeah. a good run at it. Yeah, dang it. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, checkmate. You got me. Yeah, we were. Believe it or not, oh. folks, we were talking about that trash bin fire or uh, dumpster fire uh, before we got started here. We were actually talking about Jupiter Ascending, not about the movie itself because the movie is garbage, uh, but just the effects of that garbage. So. I was mostly talking about Channing Tatum's ears. Brady was talking about something else um, that was much more interesting, but I was just focused on the ears, man. The elf ears. Yeah, it looks like they picked them up outside of uh, what a digital and the garbage can. Like they were used on The Hobbit and they were. Exactly. All so it's down, like. So. Like in the Mandalorian behind the scenes thing, Taika Waititi says that they went to Weta and yeah. they took things that they didn't want. <laughs> yeah. So after Taika Waititi used them on what we do in the shadows, that's when the Wachowskis grabbed the ears and like, hey, we'll chuck them on Channing Tatum, see what it looks like. Does it look good? No? Well, we're keeping them on anyway. So <laughs> We've got a budget of $200 million and we can't <laughs> waste any more on these stupid ears. <laughs> going to the uh, bottom of the budget, people. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, anyway, welcome to the movie Wasteland. 
we are so excited. This is our second episode of our summer Star Wars series. Uh, if you missed the Whoa. first episode, you can go back and listen to it right now, wherever you're listening to this. But yeah, we are going to be talking about Star Wars all summer long. It's going to be awesome. We've already had a ton of fun. Uh, and both of us kind of had differing views over episode one, The Phantom Menace. Uh, but I think both of us are kind of going to gear more towards agreeing on this one uh, for episode yeah. two, Attack of the Clones. And it may shock a lot of you uh, because of the history this movie has. But uh, we'll get <laughs> oh, yeah. into all that here in a second. First of all, I want to remind you, uh, first, if you're new to the channel coming from our other channel, The Mandalorian After Show Show, hey, welcome. Thank you for subscribing and thanks for uh, coming out and checking out our new podcast channel that we've had for a while now. And then also, I want to remind you, we, uh, on our other podcast channel, The Mandalorian After Show Show, we reviewed every single week, whenever new episodes would come out, we reviewed the entire series for uh, season one of The Mandalorian. Well, now, here recently, since Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian has come out, it's kind of like a behind-the-scenes show of the making of The Mandalorian, we just put out a review of the first episode of that. And uh, we both enjoyed it, and you can go and listen to that right now. Uh, after you get done listening to this episode about attack of the clones all right you got to schedule these things you got to think it out do this first do that later all right <laughs> we're so, we're just jam-packed with content baby we just keep putting out content yes all right it is the movie it is no longer the movie wasteland podcast it is the movie wasteland podcast network my friend network of two <laughs> <laughs> gotta start somewhere the pattern yeah. has started with one so <laughs> Now, I took extensive notes on this movie we're about to talk about, Brady, and not movie-related notes. I Look, we're both kind of, we're both bachelors. We could both use a hand in this, so I thought Thanks I would share the notes. I, <laughs> well, you know, I'm not a, you know, whatever. <laughs> Ryan's kind of desperate. <laughs> it's just the way it is. <laughs> it's just the way it is. I've accepted defeat at this point, but this movie gave me hope, because if anybody can get out of the friend zone, it's Anakin, and he did it. So <laughs> surely, to goodness, I can do it. So I wrote down some great notes about how to pick up girls from this movie. Oh, really? And, uh, so we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be good. It'll be really good. Oh, you just reminded me. It's something I'm writing down a note real quick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for you to hear it either. So All anyway, right. yeah, let's just jump right into this. We are talking Sweet. about 2002's Episode 2, Attack the clones and to begin with ryan let's kind of do with uh, wh uh what we did last time just kind of tell me your general thoughts on attack of the clones and uh, yeah. if you can real quick before you get into that i have a question for you um now i personally think the trailers for this movie are just terrible all except like one oh of them. <laughs> the worst trailers in star wars history you can watch them on uh watch them on youtube if you've never seen them before however uh, you did see like two of these trailers in theaters when you were a kid, right? You saw uh, the Spider-Man I only one, remember... Didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the only one that I remember seeing in theaters was the like the teaser trailer that is has, it starts with like a black screen and you hear Darth Vader breathing and stuff. Yeah, and, and it surprised um, you as a kid, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was always shocked because it was like, it was a simpler time, Brady. But I, <laughs> you know, it's one of those... Hour. Yeah, exactly. Well, 
at least that I was aware of, but I, you know, it's kind of a magical moment, I guess, so to speak, because you go to the movie theater, at least I did. And I didn't know what was coming out until I saw the poster in the movie theater or yeah. I saw a trailer and I was like, Whoa, okay. And it's like, I knew that they were going to make another star Wars movie. Cause I had seen Phantom Menace at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a, you know, for some reason I was still really shocked. I was like, <gasps> you know, you didn't know when it was coming out. And I yeah. just remember being really surprised about that. But uh, that's the only one I remember seeing in theaters. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. Sorry. I was just, I do like that trailer. That. I think that's the only one I saw. The, uh, that So that trailer kind of holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and see, that's, do you remember? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and that's kind of why it came up to me because I knew mm-hmm. you do remember seeing that trailer and that's the only reason yeah. I wanted to bring it do up. Do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? Do you have a memory of that at all? Yes, I do. Um, kind of like what I said um, at the beginning, or I don't know if I've said it on this channel. I've said it on the Mandalorian After Show show channel, but kind of my first experience with uh, the prequels came uh, during Star Wars week. It was, uh, they did it every summer. Usually it was usually like the week before I started back to school on spike tv and they showed all oh, six yeah. movies over the course of a week and uh, so at the time i only had the original trilogy on vhs and so as a kid that was my only way to watch the prequels then over time i got those on vhs and dvd and so on and so mm-hmm. forth uh, but yeah it was watching it on tv was actually my first time seeing it nice that's awesome so uh, this was the first star wars movie that i actually saw in theaters um and I would have been around, I guess, seven or something at the time. Whoa. Um, I know. Whoa. What a, whoa, what a young whippersnapper I was. <laughs> now, the, the earliest theater experience that I, I know I had seen other movies, but the earliest movie that I remember seeing in theaters was um, the animated Tarzan movie that was in the late 90s. And then oh. the very next kind of theater experience that I can physically remember sitting in the movie theater was this movie. Um, and my first I don't movie I ever remember seeing was actually, uh, the first live action Scooby-Doo movie. I do remember seeing Freddy that one Prince too, Jr. but I, <laughs> I thought that that movie might have actually come before this, but I looked and it came out a month or two later. So I'm like, yeah. all right, Star Wars wins. Thank God. But, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I've got a story about the Scooby-Doo movie that I'll tell another time, uh, just cause it's not interesting at all. But, um, Anyway, so I don't I th- I think I may have seen this opening weekend or s- maybe second weekend or something because I remember it was very packed. Um, so yeah, it's this whole this movie. Um, I this kind of goes into my thoughts about it. Kind of holds a special place in my heart just because mm. I do remember going to see it with my dad in hey, the movie theater. That's it was a packed. part of Star Wars, man. I was yeah, I was like that perfect age, you know. Um, f- for this movie to really make an impact on me. And so uh, I will admit this movie has a lot of faults um, and probably objectively, I think one can make an argument that it is perhaps the worst of the star Wars prequels. Um, But I have seen this movie more than any of the other prequels by a wide margin. <laughs> and so I admit that like, ah, it's got issues and stuff like that. But, uh, and it's fun to sit down like with, when my dad and I watch it from time to time, it's fun. We'll sit and we laugh at the funny parts and make fun of it and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's just kind of a fun experience, but there's also a lot of really cool stuff in this movie too. Yeah. But uh, I guess that's kind of my f- first uh, kind of impression with this film though. 
Sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, but a lot of what you said right there is really going to go into the next movie we talk about for me personally. Oh yeah. Uh, but in regards to this movie, Attack of the Clones, uh, I so last night I watched um, <laughs> I watched the Phantom Menace, and then I turned right around and watched Attack of the Clones last night. Did all, you really? Yeah, all in wow. one night. Um, just to get that full effect, man. And uh. <laughs> yeah so how'd uh, that work out for you <laughs> one thing i love doing whenever re-watching movies especially the prequels is i really like to watch them yeah kind of with prior knowledge now that i've seen them hundreds of times but also at the same time i like to watch them with an open mind and this movie probably yeah. more than any other star wars movie when you watch it with an open mind uh, to me it just makes the movie a whole lot better now like you said it does have sure. its faults it does have its <clears throat> problems that could have been solved uh things like that but just basically here's the way i feel about episode two it is big um it is bold and it has a lot in it. And in a few ways, uh, it feels this movie feels really more geared towards fans than the Phantom Menace did. You know, the Phantom Menace okay. was trying to set up um, a lot of uh, what George wanted to It was laying the groundwork. Yeah. It was laying the groundwork. This movie feels like, uh, you know, and that's kind of why I'm glad I watched the two back to back because you, you can, to me, it just hit me. Like, it felt like. In the writing of this movie, it was like, okay, we're we're gonna try to appease fans a little bit more, which isn't sure. a bad thing, um, necessarily. Uh, but however, there are some basic flaws with the movie that I think could have been fixed. However, I do really oh, like yeah. this movie. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, uh, several a month or so ago, when we did guilty movie uh, pleasures on the podcast, and I did Batman v Superman. This is my top guilty movie pleasure is Attack of the Clones. So if I knew we weren't going to be doing this series, oh. I would have definitely done Attack of the Clones um, just because, like I said, I've seen it so many times. <laughs> I like I will say this, though, if we're going to talk about compliment sandwiches and stuff. I like the way this movie opens because immediately. Well, it I, has a darker. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, let's just jump right into the story however i did want to mention one thing real quick before we jump go ahead yeah uh, i'm sorry to interrupt you ryan no 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 <laughs> well anyway i just wanted to bring up that this movie it's almost kind of a miracle this movie turned out as good as it did because there were all sorts of writing problems with this movie oh yeah <laughs> uh, correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't there like a writer strike going on at the same time you know right around i don't know about that that I, I think seems like there was, there's been a couple of writer strikes. I know there was one around the time of uh, maybe a transformers. Movie yeah. It was, tra it was transformers <laughs> to revenge of the fallen. Okay. Yeah. I do yeah but that no, one. I do think this is funny. So George Lucas about a couple months before the movie was set to start filming, finished the first draft yeah, of the yeah. film and he finished the shooting draft like one week before principal photography began. i know <laughs> and it's just like nip and tuck man yeah and and that's kind of that that's common I mean, that's crazy all, that's common throughout all three prequels because 
there's this famous clip from the beginning, the making of the Phantom Menace, where it's uh, the producer of the movie, Rick McCallum. And he says, hey, he's talking to somebody. He's like, yeah, I'm going to fly to New York on my way to Prague. And on my way there, while I'm in New York, I'm going to give Natalie, talking about Natalie Portman, a script. Because I think it's very bold for a young actress to sign on to three movies without reading a single word. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well that's something we didn't mention last time is that she did that liam neeson did that yep. without reading anything just yep. like no script in hand they were just like star wars i'm gonna do it just on the name only yeah i think it's funny i don't remember the dude's name but whoever plays uh panaka in the first movie um he the reason he's not in this movie is because he wanted a full script yeah. before he signed on yep. and they told him they're like no and he's like fine then figure out how to get by without my amazing character they're like <laughs> all right we'll just <laughs> swap you out with another dude i don't care yeah. so we'll I give a dude funny. an eye patch it'll be okay <laughs> yeah i think this is funny too so terrence stamp uh well-known actor general zod in the christopher reeve movies chancellor of played- Yes, he played Valorum. He refused to reprise his role as Valorum in this movie, saying, <laughs> quote, actors prefer to work with actors. Oh! <laughs> and I'm like, all right, whatever. No loss there, quite honestly. Wow. I didn't I'm even... like, wow, dude. Like, Why Christopher you... Lee is in this movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> Why? Why would I'm just sitting here. I'm puzzled. Why would you need Chancellor Valorum in this movie? He was. I don't know. Maybe it's just a. Yeah, that's odd. Um, maybe they had an execution scene built in and they wanted him back for that. <laughs> so uh yeah i for one would have liked to have seen that but you know i understand (laughs) let's uh let's jump into this movie so um yeah you kind of mentioned the beginning i i didn't i don't i hate taking notes while i'm watching a movie it's just a pet peeve of mine so my notes are basically kind of conformed around things i like and don't like about the movie and one as well (laughs) yeah one one thing i love about this movie and we see it right from the beginning the opening of this movie is the mysterious tone. I love the noir take uh, that this movie has. It's a throwback uh, in tone and uh, even cinematography. It's much darker immediately. Yeah, You can tell it feels different right away. Well, hey, we're forgetting one big aspect of this movie that shocked the world. uh, This movie scrolls up. The camera pans up from the opening crawl. It does indeed, Brady. The only other Star Wars movie that does that would come much later in Rogue One, I believe. So, Rogue One I doesn't think. open. No, Rogue One just flashes oh, open. It doesn't is. scroll. It doesn't go up. Oh, that's true. Or I actually, was, yeah. it does, but there's no opening crawl. But there's no opening crawl, so I don't know if that counts. But yeah, you're very. You are absolutely right. <laughs> Man, we are getting nitty gritty. But uh, <laughs> we're not even into the story yet. <laughs> yeah, we're still stuck on the opening crawl. Uh, now, once again, this opening crawl for this movie, not that great. Um, it could. I been think it's better than Phantom Minutes, though. Definitely better than the Phantom Minutes. Uh, but it's not that great. They they really struggled on their opening lines uh, for these first two yeah. movies. Then the third movie, it's just war. But um, yeah, exactly. That's a great opening line. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I actually kind of like it. And uh, again, again, I said this about Phantom Menace. I feel like the elevator pitch for this movie is pretty solid. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. Like the stuff that they set up. Um, I think um, where you can we're, find we're, a fall. We're gonna uh, see the Jedi more in their prime. And, um, you know, uh, we're going to have less Jar Jar in this one, but he does play a key pivotal role in this movie. And 
throughout the saga, to be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, See, it's that's all the about thing poetry. about <laughs> it's all about rhyming, you know, rhythm and, and, rhythm and repetition, it's like stanzas <laughs> in a poem, you know, so the dialogue's not really dialogue. It's not supposed to sound good. It's just supposed to be alluding to something else. No, that's the funny thing. George gets a lot of crap, but he, I think he's got a pretty good sense of humor. About oh, him. heck yeah. Um, that's something that you look yeah, at him hey, and he just kind of looks like this unassuming guy. George look, Lucas has a good sense of humor. They, they he does. He's very aware of uh, himself and yes, everybody see i think you talk about relatability earlier i think that's i think that's kind of endearing because the working title for this movie was jar jar's big adventure yeah i know you know what i mean so like he knew what the perception of jar jar was and to his credit he scaled him right back he does play a role but i mean he's he's an ancillary character in this film uh at (laughs) well sort of i mean he's his screen time (laughs) yeah he does his screen time is diminished i'll put it that way yeah yeah you could say he has actually a bigger uh, role than in the other movie actually now that i say that but yeah screen minutes are way down (laughs) yeah we'll talk about that scene coming up but yeah we're kind of talking about uh the beginning of this movie and yeah this uh, the cinematography from the cinematography to the score to the way it opens to the opening shot of the uh, Nabooan yeah. uh, uh, ship turning over on its side, um, you know, to land on the southern hemisphere. Of oh yeah, it flipping all over. It's cool. adds to this very noir and mysterious tone. We get the opening on the landing dock. It's all foggy everywhere. Yeah, I love that. The assassination. It, it's great, man. It really it is good. Is great, and uh, we really get. And it's see. shocking and stuff too. It's, it's just like, yeah, and we get to really delve into this noir stuff once. Uh, we meet up with Padme and Anakin and Obi-Wan in the apartment. And then once Obi-Wan's on his big uh, discovery adventure. <laughs> Obi-Wan's a big adventure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of took the reins there. But what no, do, no, no. Uh, uh, what do you think about kind of the mysterious tone of this movie? Uh, the detective I like it. aspect of it. <laughs> These movies eventually like there's kind of a uh, progression of getting darker and darker. And by the third one, it's obviously the darkest of the trilogy. Yeah. Um, maybe one of the, the darkest, darkest of, of Star Wars. Yeah. Movies. I was about to say. Yeah. But um, you, have you been watching these on your 4k collection, Brady? Yes. I can't sir. believe I'm bringing up 4k and not oh my you, gosh, Ryan, here we are. <laughs> yeah. I've become what I have mocked. No, I was curious. You have become so the watched... very thing you swore to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> I will do what I must, but so I wondered about this. I feel like Yoda in episode two has aged worse than Jar Jar in episode one. Um, and I was curious to know if you had thought that or even explain yourself it at all. real quick. Cause I don't know. I just do feel like the that? effect, I don't know. Maybe it's, we're seeing him really close up and maybe I'm just going over it with a fine tooth comb, you know, trying to look for a fault, but I feel like maybe the effect, uh, the CG Yoda just maybe, I don't know. He doesn't look as well as um, I'll, even uh, Jar Jar. So, I'll, maybe I'll say, I'm wrong. Who knows? So I'll say this. Uh, first of all, I think we can all agree the puppet they used in episode one, that version of Yoda is trash. It looks terrible. Um, <laughs> Meth addict Yoda, am I right? 
trash panda or whatever <laughs> star lord <laughs> says in guardians of the galaxy 2. yeah yeah uh-huh. <laughs> trash kermit that's what we're gonna call the puppet yes. from episode one um yeah exactly so for the blu-ray and yeah the 4k um releases of episodes one and um uh for episode one they replaced yoda with a digital recreation and so obviously they were using some more, that looks better yeah, yeah. it looks better they were using okay. some more modern technology for episode two it was the first time yoda was animated they didn't update that version they just kept the original copy of the character so that may play a little bit into it that's probably it yeah but i i do agree with you yeah he, compared to the digital version we see in episode one he does look older um but I was going to more plasticky. Yeah. But the thing I like about Yoda in the prequels though, uh, say what you will. I, yeah. I do think Yoda is better served as a puppet, but it's all about the tone as well. You know, in these movies, sure. Yoda is still, I can't believe I'm saying this kind of in his prime. He can still actually do <laughs> stuff. You know, it, he's, he's 200 and uh, he's 200, not 250 at the time, you know, so oh, I think he's the, older, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think he's like 800 years old. You know what it is crazy? Obi-Wan and Anakin are the only Jedi that do anything in this movie. The rest of them just literally sit around. Up until the third act, I mean, yeah. Then they're like, "We better get into action." But I mean, they just sit around. Oh, so I've got kind of a political question for you. Um, Okay, (laughs) who are you going to vote for in November? No, I'm kidding. It's a Star Wars politic question. Oh, Um, so the Jedi, and you may not know the answer to this, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do. The Jedi, they seem to have like a really, frankly, a cozy kind of relationship with the Republic and the chancellor mm-hmm. and it's like the chancellor he'll say something. And it's like, almost like the Jedi kind of have this attitude. It's like, well, I guess we got to do that now yeah. instead of being like an independent thing. Is that, you know, is that explained at all in anything you've ever read? Yeah. So this is according to the old Canon. I just want to put that out there. Disney hasn't uh, really updated the ancient history of the Jedi a whole lot yet. Hopefully that'll change in the next few years. Uh, but the Republic has been around for a thousand years by the time we get to um, episode two. And basically the Republic was almost kind of founded around the Jedi uh, because the Republic uh, before that had been around, but the Jedi weren't um, the Jedi were always present, but the Republic was always being attacked by the Sith and those who were controlled by the Sith. And finally, um, uh, the Jedi who were always there, the protectors of the Republic, they kind of, I guess you could say, joined forces. And now a new Republic was founded and the Jedi were a part of not the not the government itself, but of its a, a part of its pillars, I guess you could say. I got you. I um, got you. So like, you know, the Senate and the uh, there's a Senate and that's kind of like the congressional body. The Supreme Chancellor is kind of like the president. Uh, then they mm-hmm. have a court system, and then the Jedi are kind of like the law enforcement branch of everything. Now, there's like, um, to be clear, like th- the Jedi aren't like on patrol on the streets of Coruscant. You know, there's like police forces and stuff for that, but the Jedi kind of like oversee uh, the protection of the Republic. Sure. And by this sure. point in the history of the Republic. 
uh, and you can see it in the Senate, it's made up of thousands of planets. And so mm-hmm. kind of like what it says at the beginning of this movie, the Jedi are spread thin. They, they literally don't have enough people to keep up uh, with what's going on in the Republic. Uh, so, yeah, that's. Yeah. That's so are the Jedi, the Jedi are in favor of the Military Creation Act. Is that right? It's uh, it's it's a two way street because um, there are uh, Jedi like Count Dooku, who was once a Jedi, who believed that the military uh, under the direction of the Jedi would be better for the Republic. Um, I believe in the old canon. That's one of the reasons why Count Dooku left the Jedi Order is because he saw them as ineffectual. Uh, based sure. on that and then uh, there are people like Mace Windu and Yoda who say no we're Jedi we're not generals uh, well <laughs> that changes yeah. <laughs> it does. well that's the thing that's kind of confused me because they complain about like we're spread thin we can't do this and so I was like well are they in favor of the army of the republic or are they more on the side of like Senator Amidala basically stuff, so. outside of the movies and other canon the, the creation of the clone army is kind of treated as a necessary by the Jedi it's treated as a necessary burden that hey sure. we're gonna fight a war we're gonna lead a war mm-hmm. hey this is the war kind of to end yeah. all wars here we're gonna keep the Republic together and we're gonna finish this and then after the war is over we're giving up you know we're not we're not gonna be generals anymore <laughs> yeah yeah. Okay. Cool. I knew you'd have an answer to that question. <laughs> it's all coming from this big nerd brain. <laughs> you do have a rather large head, don't you? I really no, do. Kidding. I have a huge. No, head. you don't. You've got a normal head. No, dude. I've got a huge head, man. It is. My humongous. head is a peanut. Your head is like a normal melon size. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're just Mr. Average. <laughs> I am Mr. Average. I've got lu- I've got really thick, luscious hair, though. I will say that. Uh, coming in strong, baby, even after the buzz. So <laughs> the my clippers buzz. came in the mail. My clippers came in the mail, by the way, and I kind of went back over it. Over oh, it looks, yeah. So now oh, you looks look pretty good. Oh, now yeah, you look good. less like <laughs> whatever that monster from Monsters, Inc. is. Twenty three nineteen. He's like, I love working with that guy. He's like a brother. Yeah. Twenty three nineteen. So the so the Jedi though they're I think it's hilarious they've liter- they are literally wrong about like everything in the prequels and, and that's, that's kind the of point. the point yeah that's kind of the point because it's like they don't want to train Anakin basically I don't know if they say this I maybe I'm you know projecting this on him but they're basically saying no he's not the chosen one we don't want to train him or maybe they're just like he's too old and uh, Madala comes yeah. in. Yeah, Amidala comes in. It's like I think Dooku's behind the attack. Mace Windu's like, "Shut up! You don't know what you're talking about." She's it's absolutely not his, his right. Character, you know, you know. I, I about that scene real quick. I always get really ticked off at Padme in that scene because uh, they walk oh, in and Yoda goes, "Oh, seeing you alive brings good feelings to my heart." Immediately, she's like, "Do you have any idea who did this?" <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, good to see you too, Padme. Well, like, uh, we're working on Yoda, it. the wisest man in the universe, just gave you a very nice compliment and immediately you like shove it back in his face. <laughs> I know. Well, the thing about Amidala too, uh, let me just say this. Uh, maybe this is the cynic coming out in me, but I think it's kind of funny. And I get it. Abuse of power, all that jazz. But I think it's kind of funny that she's against the Military Creation Act because... It was literally a lack of an army 
that allowed the Trade Federation to so easily blockade <laughs> and send a droid point. invasion on her planet. And they had to get bailed out yeah. by the Republic. So and she's like, oh, war, ew, gross, sweaty, <laughs> ugh. You know, that's a great point. So anyway, <laughs> I thought so too. <laughs> I never thought of it. But, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, I get it though. Abuse of power, blah, 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 blah. But you know, whatever. <laughs> but I, I'm sorry. I keep on going back to this, but I just had a couple more points I wanted to make. Um, so yeah, basically, you know, the story of this is actually pretty cool. It's set up really good. It is movie. cool. Somebody's trying to kill Senator Amidala. Um, and, uh, so she needs protection. So Obi, of course, it's Obi Wan and Anakin who are going to protect her, uh, because story. Big mistake, uh, Jedi Council. Big <laughs> mistake. What are you doing? <laughs> Even at the it, towards the end of the movie, there's this great scene where Yoda and Mace Windu are just sitting in this room, and it's like, of course it, they are. It's all, yeah, of course they are. It's it's like it's all hitting them at one point where it's like, man, he <laughs> really messed up because Mace Windu he like puts his face in his hands a little bit and he goes. I think it's time we inform the Senate that our ability to use the force is diminished. diminished. And Yoda goes, are you an idiot? We don't (laughs) need to tell anybody. I know. (laughs) It's like, why don't you just shut up and uh, we'll just figure this out on our own. I also want to point out real quick. All right. So canonically in this movie, um, Padme is supposed to be 26 years old. Um, Yes. Sure. Okay. I'll buy it. Anakin is supposed okay. to be 19. Uh, oh, that's a bit of an age gap right there. <laughs> well, I, I will put it this way. This movie supposedly takes place like 10 years after Phantom yeah. Menace, roughly, I guess. Yeah. So there's a, you know. But you know, the once you kind of get in your in my head, uh, the excuse <laughs> I've made in my head. I would love to hear this. People from different systems or planets age differently. That's always been my thing. So, like the people of Naboo, they come from a very prosperous planet, very beautiful. Uh, they age. <laughs> they don't age as harshly as say somebody from Tatooine, like Anakin does. So, like, <laughs> so you're saying know. Anakin is actually much younger? Is that what you're saying? Because that's not better at no, all. No, it's the opposite. I'm <laughs> i don't know that's the weird excuse i've always given this movie (laughs) well look once you get kind of in your 20s it doesn't really matter so much but when you got a 16 year old and a nine year old that's weird that's weird yeah yeah (laughs) just want to put that out there i know that's a controversial take but that's weird yeah i think we said that in our last review but uh, uh you know do you know what my dad calls uh hayden christensen he calls him mannequin skywalker (laughs) Uh, that that could be a double uh, meaning that could be one he has grown into a man and two you could say is acting as stiff so he's mannequin skywalk that's what he's mean oh oh i love it when we first are introduced to him i literally get sweaty watching anakin try to impress padme it makes me so nervous (laughs) one could argue that's kind of the point (laughs) oh if they were Dude, looking for an angsty, nervous teenager, they sure found one. They got him. They got him. No, I love the line where Padme, first of all, Jar Jar is much more excited to see them than Padme is. I'm going to just say that right now. Because Obi-Wan's okay. like, she was pleased to see though. us. 
I want to point okay, something go ahead. out though. I have read the Attack of the Clones novelization, and it does a lot <laughs> to improve basically every single scene between Padme and Anakin. Really, uh, this scene in particular, because it it the story kind of shifts uh, every now and then to where it's telling it from both Padme and Anakin's perspectives a little bit. So like. Anytime mm-hmm. they have a scene together like this one, you get to hear it from Anakin and Padme's perspective. So okay. I can assure you that through the novelization, she is actually really excited to see Anakin. She's just hiding well, Pad- her feelings. Okay, that's what Obi Wan says. But I'm like, how do you know that? In the most cumbersome way you possibly could. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we're gonna talk about that here later. Oh, okay. But I love it when she says. You wouldn't know that, by the way, by hearing what she actually says. Um, and girls are always like, I don't, why doesn't he know that I like him? It's because you talk in riddles. Because she's like, You'll always be that little boy I knew on Tatooine. Uh, ouch. That's got to hurt, man. If yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. That I, that's the equivalent of that meme you've seen before where it's like uh, a picture of a boy and a girl, and the boy is like, text it to the girl he's like hey we look like a couple here and she's like a couple of besties that's like what that is right there (laughs) yeah exactly but uh (laughs) all right let's start talking about some other stuff in this movie so yeah i kind of brought it up at the beginning of all this but yeah i i i really do love the noir take on this movie yeah especially in the cinematography i love this is a really well shot movie. I'm going to say that much. I think so, uh, personally. Um, I kind of like it too. I know what you're meaning. I know yeah, what you mean I love. You say that. I like the, it. the use of shadows in this movie is great. I think, um, and then also during the Coruscant chase, we get the neon, you know, middle of Manhattan kind of look from Coruscant. It's great. You know, it's yeah. I I think it's great. <laughs> That's all I was going to say. And I come down hard on Hayden Christensen. I've seen him in other things. He's not a bad actor. No, and no. And I will, I will say this. I couldn't imagine acting in like a massive room that's painted entirely green and just be like, look to your left, act surprised. Now say your line. You know, that's got to be awful. Yeah. Um, Hayden said in some interview or something that he really enjoyed the uh, bar scene where they're chasing uh, the bounty hunter around because that was a physical set and he enjoyed being in that actual environment. Yeah. So, you know, that's gotta be tough. Yeah. Um, so, and I actually, what I, he was told, honestly, you know, <laughs> he was told to play Anakin a certain way and he yeah. did it. So, yeah. And you know, I'll, I actually wrote this down. Um, I don't think um, the problem with Hayden Christensen, Christensen as Anakin in this movie has anything to do with him specifically. Um, I actually rather sure. think he's really good um, in a few scenes. I, I The scenes where he's, you can see and, you know, hear in his voice kind of like he, he he's stressed out, you know, his mom, he keeps on having mm-hmm. these dreams about his mom dying and, yeah. you know, other stuff. <laughs> Those are really good moments and I think they're well acted. The love story is a different part and we're going to get to that coming up. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's no I, I wrote this down. There's no particular problem with his performance or the story, but there is a problem uh, in certain uh, parts of the movie with his p- performance within the story. It just doesn't quite sure fit 
um, a lot of his lines are delivered in kind of a monotone way yeah though and i and think he's trying to be it's it's in his scenes with padme <laughs> And I think, think he's, he's trying to act like he's got it all together. And like yeah, everything. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> We've all been there, Brady. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But I will yeah, say, hey, let's and- just jump. Let's just jump right into the love story because okay. that was the next thing I had on my notes. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is a noir movie. It's um, about Obi-Wan <laughs> going on this uh, big he, he's trying to solve this mystery about who's trying to kill padme and um you know he goes to camino and he's finding out about the clone army and that's all great and stuff but then the other half of this movie is a love story it's a george lucas love story mm-hmm. um and it could have been better um hayden christensen doesn't perform well um in this in all the love story scenes he has in this movie um not very good at all, except for one scene uh, towards the end of the movie. I think he does a fairly good job. Sure. Um, I think he's pretty good. There's a deleted scene where like you meet Padme's family and stuff. Yeah. I think he's Ugh. not too bad in that scene. Uh, he's he's scenes. not bad, but I'm really glad those scenes got cut because they were just like, yeah, too me too. Because the they're like, yeah, they're like, tell us about Anakin. Oh, he's kind of cute. And she's like, oh, he's not my boyfriend. Yeah. It, talk it's like that <laughs> before the rest of the show, Ron. <laughs> I would love to actually. No. <laughs> I know you I, would. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Let me, let me ask you this question since we're getting into the love story. Now, I wrote down all the things Anakin does, and I'm going to ask you, if you or I did these things to a girl, would that make her fall in love with us? So let's let's do this. First of all, he's much younger. He's less mature. He has a different ideology. He's a Jedi. She's more of a pacifist. He makes a fool of himself immediately. He makes her feel uncomfortable. She says so herself. He complains constantly. He's a narcissist. He dreams about her. He embarrasses her in front of her boss or the queen. He's jealous of her past boyfriends. And lastly, uh, well, he encourages her to lie and he's a communist. So like, (laughs) but if you notice when he's like, when he's like, I think somebody should be, somebody should be in charge and make everybody agree. And she's like, yeah, and she's like, who would who would make him do that? You? He goes, no, someone wise. And she's like, sounds like a dictatorship. And he's like, well, you know, that doesn't sound too bad to me. If you look, that's the moment where she falls in love with him. Because she looks at him, she's like, huh, this guy's not too bad. <laughs> I'm like, red flag, sister. You better get out of there fast. <laughs> now, if you did all those things in front of a girl, would that make her fall in love with you? No. <laughs> because i've tried them i have tried them oh, believe not, me you, you kind of you, yeah you took the words from my mouth there i i was gonna say well how did they work for you ryan <laughs> well i lost her on the narcissist thing that's me personally but uh you know <laughs> yeah yeah you know, yeah that kind of matches up with what i was saying i i i don't know if i agree with all with uh with all those points <laughs> i don't know if you're just trying to be funny or whatever but <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. What they were doing with Anakin in these love story moments, it, it doesn't quite work. And it can, for me personally, it gets narrowed down to two scenes. First of all, I like to call this scene Anakin and Padme's fireside chat. 
<laughs> this is the worst. This is the worst scene in the movie, but the worst dialogue in the movie is coming up here in a yeah. bit. This is this is not a good scene. Ugh. No, it's not. It is just it is just dripping in cringe, man. It is. And look, neither actor is exactly you know on their a game either. I, in my opinion, I don't think Natalie Portman's all that great in that scene either. But yeah, it's no. uh, it's funny to listen to though. Look, I will say this about Hayden Christensen: he gets a lot of crap for the "I hate sand" stuff. But let me ask you: that's this. really not a terrible line when you put it in context. Because he's well, it's not great, but <laughs> is anything he said wrong about sand? It's I'm just putting that out there, and it gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. I mean, well, he's not wrong. He's sure. absolutely 100% right. Sure, yeah. I mean... You know, watching this last night, and I feel the same way every time. Yeah, I I always kind of give a little smile because I always think about all the memes about it out there. But <laughs> when you watch it and listen to it in context, it's really not that bad because he's being honest and open, at least. And I mean that sincerely. He's being honest. Yeah, he know. just Maybe complains. Just he complains nonstop though. Like if a girl's being like, "Hey, I have this great childhood memory," and then you go in with like, "Yeah, I hate Chevy trucks. They break down all the time, or whatever." Any kind, you know, you just like start complaining about something unrelated, and she's like, "What are you doing?" But but hey, well, she was he does get a little about lip swimming action to the there. island and laying in the I sand. I know, I know. Put all it right. in it's context. A beautiful. Right. It's a beautiful scene, Brady. Are you happy? <laughs> No, I, I also want to point out whenever they filmed that scene, it was like 45 degrees outside, so they had to be freezing. I bet her back was cold. Now, that's why he was get, trying to warm it up. Yeah, that's why he was rubbing it. <laughs> I get oh so God. cracked up when they kiss and he and she pulls away and she's no. like, "No, I can't do this." Yeah. And he's like, I'm, and she, he's like, "I'm sorry, the my lady." Face he gives. <laughs> He is like so confused. He's like, what happened? <laughs> I watched that part like three times last night. I got <laughs> such a kick out of it. I do too, man. Oh. I do too. And I'll add it's to that. Good I always stuff, get cracked man. up because you need to go back and watch that scene again because during that scene, whenever they are kissing, <laughs> he is gripping the heck out of the post in front of him, like the rail in front of it. <laughs> he is holding on to that thing for dear oh. life. I'm like, let's like go. When he lets go, there's just like a pool of sweat there. <laughs> <laughs> He oh, gets these handprints man. from his sweat. I know. This is why I love this movie. This is why I love it. It's this stuff right here. Oh, that oh, takes me back man. to the elevator scene at the beginning of the movie whenever LP Gun goes, yeah. you're sweating, relax. I think it would have been yeah. great if whenever they're getting off the elevator, he's like using... <laughs> The sleeve, sleeve of his cloak, and like dabbing no. it on his forehead. No, it's like that Drake and Josh, where Josh has to do the news anchor cast, <laughs> and he's or like, like ah, the weather, ah, and ah, and he's like drenched in sweat, and he gets off the elevator, and he's just like soaking wet. <laughs> oh, oh boy, it's relatable though. It's relatable. It's endearing. Oh boy, I about that episode. Oh man! Oh my! I li- you know what I like though? Okay, do you have anything else to say about the love story? 
Okay, yeah, let me go to my second part about the love story. Uh, yeah, the, the the fireside chat scene is terrible. It it doesn't it, it it's very just badly written. There's no other word yeah. for it. Terrible dialogue. But hands down the worst part of dialogue in this movie comes later. It's another love story moment between the two characters. I truly deeply, deeply love, love you. Oh, it Every time I watch that, it, it, ugh, it makes me cringe. Just ugh. she is dead behind the eyes. Like there's no meaning to those I words truly. at all. She's dead behind the. I, I noticed this like a couple years ago. She's dead behind the eyes in another scene when Anakin is like standing there meditating after having that nightmare, and she. Oh walks yeah. She, she took the time to get her hair all done <laughs> before she walked out oh, there yeah. to meet him. And she goes uh, goes to turn away, and he goes, "Don't go anywhere. Your presence is soothing." And she turns around. She is giving like the most blank stare in the world while talking to him in that moment. It, it gosh, I know, I know. So I read and this the crazy funny thing. thing about all this, Ryan. Personally, is man, their moments together get a lot better in the next movie. Now there's less of them absolutely, in the movie, but they get a, t- a whole lot better. Absolutely, Hayden Christensen gives i think a good performance in that movie i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but i think it's pretty good one thing you're talking about dead behind the eyes i read this so francis ford coppola came to visit the set and uh they were filming a scene with uh christopher lee and christopher lee was uh it was green screen obviously and he was doing something on green screen and christopher lee said that during the scene whatever he was doing that he literally had no expression on his face and didn't display any kind of emotion and after the scene was over both coppola and lucas complimented him on his performance <laughs> oh my god that's, that's hilarious. this is too good this is like this is comedy gold here man <laughs> oh, oh my gosh that's hilarious yeah no well, i i agree with all the love scene stuff you're saying yeah though. well um, we've talked about that uh, let's <laughs> move on here to uh, one of the more positive aspects of this movie, and it's uh, Ewan Obi-Wan. McGregor. Obi-Wan. Yes. Perfect. I love him in this movie. He's he does great. so many cool things. He is only outclassed in the next movie, I think, but this this movie serves Obi-Wan really well. He he gets to yes. go on an adventure. I'm going yep. on an adventure. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Kenobi and R3's big adventure. <laughs> it's R4, Ryan. It's not R3. Oh, no. I'm going to have to R4. check in my nerd creds now. Yep. Dang it. Hand, hand it over. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, he is trying to figure out who is trying to kill Padme. Uh, once again, the, uh, <laughs> he, the, the the Jedi Council is just stupid in the prequels. And that's the point. I oh, my it. goodness. Yeah, they, are they are not so dumb stuff through whenever before uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan get split up and uh, in the council meeting, they tell Obi-Wan to find the killer and Ani- they tell Anakin escort, you know, Padme back to Naboo. Obi-Wan kind of has this look on his face like he's trying to hold back from saying yes. something. He's like, uh, uh, guys, I don't know I don't, about this. I don't yeah. think that's a good idea. And then exactly. later, as uh, Padme and Anakin are walking towards uh, the ship to go back to Naboo, he tells the security guy, he's like, uh, I sure hope he doesn't do anything foolish. And then, and then uh, he's like, I would be more afraid of her doing something than him. And if and I was Obi-Wan, I'd right. be like, oh, absolutely. But if I was Obi-Wan, I'd be like, wait a minute. What <laughs> do we need to be? Do they need a chaperone? You know, 
<laughs> one thing I love about Obi Wan, but okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, sorry. Um, one thing that I think is so funny, and if you pay attention, it happens all the time. But Obi Wan is constantly reminding Anakin that he's a Padawan because <laughs> he's constantly calling like calling him like Padawan. my very young, yeah my, my very, very young, young apprentice. And it's so good. He doesn't I like think it's great. It's, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. But I will say this too. Obi-Wan. So when the little killer worms, uh, uh, centipedes go to kill Padme. I love that scene too. I Me think it's too. so awesome. When he jumps out the window onto that thing <laughs> as a kid, I just like, I just like threw my hands in the air. I was like, all right, this guy's the coolest guy there's ever been. Like there's, uh, you can't do anything cooler than that. And Hey, I just thought, you know, there's all these fan theories about everything, it, but watching the prequel trilogy with retrospect, it, it it really does make it a lot better whenever you just keep in the back of your mind that maybe Obi-Wan has a thing for Padme. Because think about it. I you know. know. They're about yeah. the same age in The Phantom Menace, close to exactly. it. Exactly. You know? In- He's not a jerk to her. She doesn't embarrass her. He doesn't do any of the things Anakin does. <laughs> and that guy... he's great man ewan mcgregor i can't wait for a show man i hope we get it (laughs) eventually (laughs) yeah yeah he's he's so awesome but But i love they're running through blade runner it's great that joke's been made before but i just wanted to say it again (laughs) yeah i'll say this the one shot where uh obi-wan he's holding on to the thing and it like hits the wall and his arm kind of falls off all right, that particular shot has not aged very well, but everything mm-hmm. else still looks pretty darn good to me. It does look good. But, you know, there's a lot of the effects that if you look closely, it does kind of look like the characters are kind of floating in midair almost. Sure. Um, some of the drops, like the shadows of the characters look fake, quite honestly. But, you know, it's green screen. It's going to look that way. But um, well, I love... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say two things about the Coruscant chase real quick. First of all, I love how there's one shot uh, during the Coruscant chase. If you look closely, it's looking down uh, towards the uh, planet surface of Coruscant, which, you know, is like uh, covered with buildings as well. There's a shot of a trench and you can actually see an X-Wing and two TIE fighters in that trench. Yes, I've never found it, but I've read about it. And oh, yeah. Once you see it, you won't unsee it. (laughs) Really? That's awesome. I think it's in the third movie, maybe, we see the Millennium Falcon. It is. It is. Okay. Which doesn't make make any sense. No, it makes no sense. Uh, No, uh, absolutely not anymore. (laughs) But uh, But, anyway. uh, Do you realize, uh, though, how much could have been avoided if when Anakin jumped out of the speeder and he's like, I'll be right back, master, and he jumps out and he falls like 2,000 feet? If we, he had just missed that other speeder, how much could have been avoided? Well, uh, <laughs> well, you kind of touched on something I was going to say. It's during this chasing. One of the primary complaints uh, that this movie gets is that, and you kind of mentioned it in uh, our last review. You, you said one of the things I don't like about the prequels is that we never get to see these moments where Anakin and Obi-Wan are friends and you know they're having training yeah. sessions and everything. And then the other part you said was we never get to see the Clone Wars um, happen. Well, you know, not here's my comeback to that. Not everything was explained in the original trilogy as well, but I'll say this. I do love the parts of all three of these movies where you can tell 
there's some history between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Like they've gone on adventures and I'm not just talking about the elevator scene where he's like, you <laughs> fell into that nightmare master and I rescued you. No, there's moments like that throughout <laughs> uh, the, the first two acts of this movie, whenever they're together and you know, it, yeah, it is. It's the parts where Obi-Wan is saying my very young apprentice, because he knows that gets under Anakin's sure. skin and he's trying to teach him a lesson. And you know? can tell Anakin, look, whenever he does that, Anakin will like look at him out of the corner of his eye. Like, uh, so yeah, yeah, that's a good point. All good points there. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I want to say about Obi-Wan is he gets to go to one of my favorite planets in the whole star Wars saga. And, uh, it is, Camino. I love Camino, man. I really do. It's a cool. Again, the designs of these prequel movies are really cool. I mm-hmm. like the planet designs. I like the creature designs. Everything looks and sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Camino is one of them. Cool planet, dude. I love those spoon chairs that drop out of the ceiling. Those are cool. <laughs> I kind of want some of those. Yeah, it's kind of like the Star Wars version of a beanbag chair. Um, <laughs> Except it's hard and looks very uncomfortable. But yeah, exactly. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Obi-Wan? Uh, I love the scene where he uh, turns down the death stick dealer inside. Oh, the- yeah, yeah, that's great. You uh, want to buy some great. death sticks? And you don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell I don't want to sell you any death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, it's great. There hey, are two. You know what's hilarious? You know what's hilarious yeah. on uh, cool. Disney Plus? You know, you can watch all the Star Wars movies on there now. Um, really? Huh. Did you know that, Ryan? <laughs> I may have to get down with Disney the Plus thing. <laughs> Well, anyway, you go to episode two, click on it and go to the description. It tells you more information about why it's uh, about the rating, you know, and it says rated PG 13 for, oh, yeah. and it lists some stuff at the very bottom. It says tobacco really? depictions. It's a <laughs> white toothpick guys. Come on. Death sticks. <laughs> I know. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> if I were a smoker, uh, I'd call them death sticks. Oh, I do. Oh. And I'm not a smoke. I'm not a smoke. No. <laughs> but uh, uh oh, I want to bring this up now because I know it will come up later. Um, I know you are a big fan of the lip quiver that Anakin gives. <laughs> he gives yes. two. He gives two in this movie. Yes. One he of does. them comes here where he goes, Tell us now. Lip quiver. Lip and I uh, just wanted to bring that up. So when the other one comes up later, I've made a note. So we'll we'll hit on that later. But I wanted to hit on that first lip quiver because I feel like that's that's a pivotal point in the story. Okay, well, don't hit or don't uh, forget to hit that one. Uh, I will not. Sort of the uh, next big aspect of this movie I kind of wanted to talk about uh, was Count Dooku. Uh, so Count Dooku is uh, revealed finally, kind of like in the second act of this movie, to be the main villain. We keep on hearing his name throughout the movie. Yeah, um, it's over an hour before we see him, though. We yeah. hear him in the crawl though but yeah but i'll say this uh in context now whenever you watch his character in the clone wars uh his character is awesome and uh so Mm -hmm. you know if you're just watching the movies you don't get to spend a lot of time with count dooku and the movies but in the show you do and then the other thing i was going to add um do you remember playing the uh jango fett bounty hunter game 
because the I story... have been wanting to play that game for so long. That... Uh, I do play it, but I've been wanting to replay it for so long. The story in that game is so great, and it makes Django and uh, Count Dooku really, really uh, like I I love them. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a prequel, uh, I guess, yeah. so to speak, to this film because it yeah, shows it how Django got selected for the cloning process and everything. Yep. Yeah, great game, great yeah. game. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. But Christopher Lee is Count Dooku, man. Man, what a wave he was riding at the time. He was in Lord of the oh, Rings, yeah. which you can listen to our review of all three movies right now on the Movie Wasteland podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now. And I'm um, sorry, review on iTunes, please. No, you don't have to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was definitely, uh, definitely riding the uh, villain role right there. Yeah, and he gives a really good... Christopher Lee... He is a... Cool character. I do like Count Dooku. Dooku's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, and you know what I like? Think about it. Oh, go ahead. Think about like, uh, you know, in our modern in our uh, modern way of fandom. Think about like in two thousand and one, hearing that uh, Christopher Lee, who was just in Lord of the Rings, is going to be playing the villain in Star Wars Episode Two, who used to be a Jedi. That's freaking awesome, man. Whoa. Yeah, I know. I know. You know what I like about him? So when he's interrogating Obi-Wan, he's like, what if I told you? And then it's like a... He tells him the truth. (laughs) Yeah, he tells him the truth. Everything he says is right on. And he's like, I don't believe you. I think that's amazing. It's great. Just to spell out exactly what's going on. And he even drops names. He's like, Darth Sidious. And he's like, no, I don't believe you. Yeah. No, I think he's a cool character. And he fleshed out much more in subsequent... um, subsequent things and uh yeah and the great part the great part about that scene and the great the amazing part about christopher lee and his performance in this movie is that we as the audience if you hadn't seen this movie before you would believe him like he he is so great because obi-wan doesn't believe him and you understand the reasons why but at the same time as the audience watching that um, you know he's not lying. You know he's telling the truth, even exactly. if you had never seen, you know, the original trilogy before. You, exactly. you would know he was telling the truth, and that Obi Wan was just refusing to believe him. You know, I kind of great. like to think too, and maybe this is projecting, but I kind of like to think too. Obi Wan is kind of filing away everything he's saying. Like he's saying, "I yeah. don't believe you." In the back of his mind, he's like, "What if you're right?" Because later he's like, "What if Dooku is right?" That you know, all of this stuff is going on. And Windu is like, we would have felt it, dude. Shut up. It's <laughs> we're, a, the, we're the freaking Jedi. The Jedi. Council, man. <laughs> we sit around in rooms and meditate. I think we know what's going on. <laughs> we can feel disturbances in the force, man. And that's not just the AC kicking on, bro. Exactly. Do you know what one of my favorite parts of the Revenge of the Sith video game is, Brady? It's where you get to kill the Jedi librarian. And uh, it's for this movie. Um, Man, what a snob that chick is. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I just (laughs) finished reading Charles Soule's just about a month ago, Charles Soule's run on Darth Vader. And in the second issue... Or maybe it's uh, it's I, I think it's part of the first and a lot of the second uh, issues uh, talking about the trade paperbacks. It deals with her and it is great. She's an awesome character, still a snob. But I, I love I love that point. 
I I don't think they intentionally wanted her to be a snob. It just came across that way. Yeah. And then now and forever in Star Wars canon, that character is now a snob. Just exactly. a typical if I snooty was, librarian, you know? If I was Obi-Wan and she goes, if it is not in the archives, it does not exist. If I was Obi-Wan, I would I'm, come immediately back from Kamino, get out of my Jedi Starfighter, waltz in there, still dripping wet from the rain, and, and have that saber dart and just slam it on the desk in front of her and say, it's real, lady. Update the archive. I yeah I just I just thought of something funny you could draw you could do that scene where she goes if it's if uh, an item is not in our archives it does not exist and she walks away and then you pan over and it shows Obi-Wan and you see his back and he turns around and then he's like looking um, away from her as she's walking away and he just like does kind of like a Robert De Niro face and he goes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just like just like raises his eyebrows while keeping his eyes closed yeah don't me don't me yeah <laughs> oh good stuff good stuff hey i will say this too um well uh, hold on who are we talking about do you want to talk about any more about count dooku or well i was gonna bring up uh a couple other things real quick i kind of mentioned camino yeah. and how much i like that and uh written yes. right beside this uh, the other new planet we get to see in this movie is geonosis uh geonosis also really love that planet <laughs> yeah it's really cool it's uh i like the geonosian uh culture uh ryan you should really read the rogue one prequel novel catalyst because that is the best uh in anything Star Wars that is tied together the two trilogies uh, together, it does a really good job of tying the prequels to the original trilogy. And um, uh, Geonosis plays a major role in that story. And so, well, I, check would, it out. I will. I was going to ask you if you liked the aspect of the fact that the Geonosians are kind of the architects of the Death Star. Uh, once again, the Catalyst novel makes me appreciate it a whole lot more. <laughs> okay, because on the surface, I'm like, ooh, hate that. But uh, okay, yeah, I'll check that out. It sounds yeah. like homework, but I'll do it. <laughs> hey, Star Wars is nothing but homework. And then also quickly, it's I wanted to true. mention uh, that Tatooine, we get to go back to Tatooine in this movie. And I really yeah. like that. I love the cinematography in this movie is good. And this was the first star Wars movie to be shot completely digitally. I think we should mention that it was a huge yeah. controversy at the time, uh, basically for old really? men in I, who couldn't grow up. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. all the, all the film tradition. Film, yeah. 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 Hated George Lucas for shooting this movie in digital hated. Hmm. It. Interesting. But, uh, anyway, yeah. great. Uh, I love the cinematography in this movie, especially some of my favorite shot scenes are on Tatooine. Uh, like uh, I love uh, the funeral scene for uh, Anakin's mom. Uh, just the contrast between kind of the almost white sand of the desert and Anakin's dark black suit. Dark, That's great. Sure. Uh, and the scene where he's going to go find his mom um, and take her back from the Tusken Raiders. And he's saying goodbye to Padme. And we see their shadows on the wall of, uh, the little dome. That's great because, yep. you know, his shadow kind of looks like Darth Vader. It's really cool. It does. It, does. it yeah, wasn't until after they watched like a rough cut of the movie did George Lucas notice that it kind of looked like Darth Vader. 
Yeah, it's not like computer generated. It's just a coincidental shot. But yeah, and it's like, great. I saw that, and you know, and my dad is the one who pointed that out to me initially as a kid. Blew my mind. I was like, "Whoa!" Foreshadowing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> literally. And how, it kinda, how about that? And it, yeah, and it kind of flashes back to that original teaser poster for the Phantom Menace. It's kind of cool. It does. It does. But a I fun like fact for you. Uh, whenever yeah. they shot that scene. Um, of Padme and Anakin saying goodbye. As soon as they got done with that scene, they turned right around and shot the ending for episode three because George Lucas didn't want to see oh, yeah. money going out there, but they eventually scrapped that scene uh, because George Lucas wanted to make some changes to it and he didn't like the way it looked. So they reshot that scene. Everything at the end of revenge of the Sith on Tatooine is completely 100% green screen. All of it. Yeah. You can tell. No, I think it's kind of fun. I think this would be funny if when they meet Owen and uh, Baru, if if it wasn't Baru, it was just like another girl. He's like, I'm Owen and this is, you know, Bethany or whatever. <laughs> I just think he, could, be he could be like Star-Lord at the beginning of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And this is... Um, like, what's um, your name again? <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> Bernice or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of weird, though. Isn't, this it, cra- to me. Isn't it crazy how... Uh, who plays Owen in this movie? Um, um uh, he's a name? famous actor. I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Edrington. Uh, what's his first name? Yeah, Joel Edrington. Joel Edrington. Isn't it crazy how his career took off, but Hayden Christensen's did not. I know. I know. A lot of Australian actors in this film because it was filmed in Australia. So yes, fun sir. There. But um, I think it's kind of weird to hear because he says this is my girlfriend Baru, and I've always been like. That's a weird word for the Star Wars universe. I don't know it why. Is. It is. Why things like that. But he's like, they didn't need to have, they didn't need to have that word in there. He could have just said, this is Baru. This is Baru. Yeah. <laughs> no, he would have said, this is my friend Baru. And she like looks at him what? all like hurt. And she's like, oh, she walks like, away crying. All right, all right, girlfriend. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's touchy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And it's all right. She'll, she'll be back in a couple okay. hours. <laughs> yeah. Where else is she going to go? We're a hundred miles away from anybody. No. 200 you degrees. I, and there's two sons. Where is she going to go? Yeah, exactly. I'm the only eligible bachelor here until you showed up. But uh, I love how, so when they're heading to the Lars homestead, they're like a good 50 yards away from the ship. And then Padme turns around and tells our two R2 to, to go back. <laughs> You gotta know. <laughs> you gotta know. Some of that beeping was some pretty strong language coming out R two. R two's like, are you kidding me? Well, heck, man! Whenever they land on Naboo and they're walking up the stairs over that bridge over like a river or whatever, they just, they just they, like keep they, going. Yeah, it takes him forever to get up. Or even flashing forward oh. to episode seven when uh, BB eight is having to come down the stairs to meet Ray at Maz Kanata's I know. Oh my gosh, droids get a lot of crap in these movies. <laughs> I know. I do like how they do kind of show how he would get upstairs though. That they think that's yeah. kind of interesting, but yeah, their droids are pushed around a lot <laughs> considering the R2 is the real hero of this trilogy. He is, man. And yeah. I, I noticed oh, that oh, last oh. night. You know what else is funny? So after they leave the Lars's homestead, so a Klieg Lars, he's lost a leg. He can't work. He's only got one son and his girlfriend there on the homestead. No mm-hmm. wife. 
they take the only protocol droid that the Larses have. <laughs> C-3PO is Owen's, is, is Kleeg Lars's droid. That's his droid. And they just take him. Well, technically, it was Anakin's. And it was passed no. down to Shmi, and Shmi bought, uh, brought C-3PO to the Lars homestead whenever she married, or whenever she was sold to Klieg and la- later married him. Uh, so it would be like the droid giving, belongs to Anakin, just saying. It would be like giving a, a bicycle with training wheels to like your kid cousin, and then, you know... 10 years later, you come back and their kid is now riding the bicycle and maybe the timeline doesn't mesh up there, but another kid is riding the bicycle and be like, this used to be my bike. I don't need it, but it's mine and I'm taking it. It's the same thing. I just think it's hilarious. They probably could have really used C-3PO. <laughs> oh, I saw this hilarious meme. Um, and uh, it's Obi Wan, or it's Qui Gon Jinn going. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. And it shows C three PO looking nervous, and he's like a C three PO who's able to speak six million forms of communication. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this I've told you this many times before. We're going back to Anakin here on Tatooine for a second when he goes to um, find his mother. I don't know what it is. You know, I'm in my mid twenties. I've seen a lot of stuff, seen a lot of disturbing stuff. There's something about Anakin's mom when she's like tied up to that thing yeah. in that hut. I literally cannot watch it. Like I avert my eyes every time I watch that movie and it yeah. creeped me the heck out. I don't know what it is about it. I've seen much worse since, but I think it was from when I was it's a kid, I saw yeah. that and I was, it freaked me the heck out. Cause I'm like, what do they do to her? Yeah. And and even to this day, like last night, I didn't watch it, so I'm such a baby. But anyway, I just felt like well, I had no, to share that. no stuff when you're a kid, it just sticks with you and it'll haunt you yeah, for the rest. I've of like life. never gotten over that. It's weird. It's like, I watch this movie like six times a year. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's kind of like uh, Tom Cruise's uh, War of the Worlds. I saw that when I was a kid, and it creeped the heck out of me. I love that movie, oh, I really yeah. do. Uh, but man. Um, it's, it still creeps me out to this day, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, anyway, uh, so now, uh, I kind of want to jump ahead here to, uh, one of the bigger parts of this movie. Uh, it was a huge deal. Uh, we get to see kind of the, the clone wars come to life. We finally get to see them yes. at the end of this movie. It's an awesome, only rivaled in star Wars, at least. The only thing better than uh, this final huge battle between the droids and the clone army on Geonosis, the only thing better than that in Star Wars, I think, uh, is the third act of Rogue One, uh, where it just... Oh, yeah, very nice. Uh, But this this is great. And if you watch the the behind-the-scenes stuff for Attack of the Clones, it's really interesting because the guys who... The guys who do pre-visualization, uh, uh, which is basically just a very good job. That's a that's a three or four syllable word. I can't count, but it's yes, a good sir. word. I had to spell it in second grade and messed up, so I swore to never do it again. But um, <laughs> so yeah, and they kind of they kind of uh, got to think of. Uh, how they wanted the Clone Wars to look. George Lucas basically gave them free reigns to think of certain shots, what would happen during this big battle. It's really awesome. So a huge yep. hat off to them. But yeah, dude, it's the Clone Wars come to life. And it's 
it's pretty epic, man. It was always my favorite part of this movie for a Same. long time. Same. Absolutely. And that helmet, the phase one helmet is my oh, favorite yeah. of the helmets. Um, yeah. Now really episode three, I do appreciate all the subtleties they do to get us closer to the stormtrooper look, but yeah, the phase one helmets are awesome, dude. And interesting. It's all CG, man. I think yeah, they made there's not some a real tone trooper shoot, there, but none of the armor, but yeah, they just, it's all, um, motion capture stuff. It's amazing, man. You can kind of tell honestly, because I remember when I saw the teaser trailer for the force awakens and we saw the stormtroopers in their kind of landing craft. And I was mm-hmm. like, Whoa, that's real. Tell they made the armor, but, uh, yeah, it still looks great though. I love the design of not only the clone troopers. I like their gun. I think it's a sweet gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the gun ships are awesome. Um, they're all of their military craft is really cool in my opinion. Um, and a lot of imagination went into that and you could tell a lot of care went into it. And I don't know. I feel like that kind of stuff is reflected really well, uh, especially in the latter half of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. And you can definitely, like you said, see the creative influences and in that it's, it definitely to me, um, almost kind of has like a night, I, this whole movie, And yeah, you could say it gets summed up really well in the Dexter's diner scene, but there's a fifties aesthetic to this whole movie Oh uh, yeah, where where everything kind of looks like it, even the the technology, like even the clone troopers armor and stuff. I don't know. It's kind of looked like something out of the fifties for me, Uh, which makes sense timeline wise. You know, if the original trilogy takes place in a contemporary 1970s and eighties setting, well, yeah, it would make sense for the prequels to have like a fifties aesthetic look to it all. So <laughs> yeah, how, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that's how, that's how like, deep this podcast gets, man, uh, man, I, I look at that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't like the Dexter Jester's diner. No, like it's that. not very good. I, you know, what's funny. They were originally going to have like a start, like a cantina look to it, except just kind of like industrialized. I don't know why they didn't go with that because if you watch the behind the scenes stuff, George Lucas says he just wasn't satisfied with what uh, the creators were thinking of as far as the look for this place. So he said, just go for it. Just go for the 1950s diner look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a fan. Yeah. Whatever. And then kind of the final story beat uh, I kind of wanted to talk about here was probably one of the most controversial moments of this movie. Um, it's the big final battle between Yoda and Count Dooku. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they <laughs> fought each other at the end. Uh, Count Dooku uh, fights Obi-Wan and Anakin. He kicks both of their butts pretty easily, and he's uh, about to take them both down, and Yoda comes strolling in. It's really cool. You, you George Lucas yeah. he plays it up. You see Yoda's shadow of him just, like, slowly walking in there, and then we see Yoda, and he plays it up, man. And uh, Yeah, he does. The, this is the first time we're getting to see Yoda fight. And while I do like this fight, I, I like his fight in the next movie a whole lot better, but, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. This is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it, you know, uh, Yoda absorbs some of the lightning count Dooku shoots at him. And then he pulls out his lightsaber and, uh, Yoda white sable, his teeny weedy, 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 white sable. It's like a toothpick for a regular Jedi. I know. 
Uh, th- th- have you ever noticed the line during the Coruscant chase at the beginning of the movie where uh, they kind of build up Yoda then because Obi-Wan is like uh, telling Anakin, if you would focus more on your such and such, you would rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he goes, I thought I already did. Only in your mind, my very young apprentice. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so there are kind of two schools of thought about this fight that I'm aware of. Um, one of them is people who like it. And then the other is people who don't because they say it diminishes yeah, yeah. what he does in episode five. I can see that. Honestly, I can see that. I will tell you this. I distinctly remember this sitting in the theater as a little guy. When that happened, you the play lost it. I mean, the whole theater lost it and everybody loved it. I'm sure not everybody, but it's, I mean, the place went crazy in the theater and um, so I don't mind it. I think it's kind of cool because it kind of the way I look at it anyways is, yeah, it kind of diminishes maybe what he can do in episode five. But at the same time, it's like Yoda could do this all the time, but it's like strength under control type thing. Um, so I feel like that's kind of a nice kind of character wrinkle to him. So I don't really mind it. I think it's kind of cool. Well, here's here's my thing. Um, I don't think it diminishes Yoda in episode five at all. Uh, Yoda is a warrior. Um, he is a Jedi, and Jedi are warriors, but they're warriors for good. Um, yeah. They're always on the light side. Um, and you have to keep in mind that Count Dooku, by this point in the movie, is now, you know, he is revealed to be a complete Sith Lord. He started a war. He's about to kill Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yoda's got to fight him. I mean, what else is there to do? (laughs) I know. Well, he could have thrown when Dooku like brings down when Dooku's escaping and he's like another day, you know, another fight for another day or whatever. And he like drops that big like beam or whatever on Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda catches it. And all Yoda does is just like plop it on the ground. Every time we watch it, my dad is like, why didn't he just throw that into Dooku's ship? And I'm like, oh yeah. He was using all of his strength just the yeah, whole time. <laughs> but that I yeah, I don't I I know some people and you know, I guess it's just a difference of opinion. I never thought it diminished uh diminished Yoda in episode no, five. Not no, I I've always thought it was kind of cool, but then yeah. again, I saw it when I was seven years old and I've still kind of hung and on. Hey, that yeah, that's probably one reason why I think that way, to be honest. Same, same. So uh, I love if we're going to go back just a little bit to the to the major Jedi battle against the droids on uh, the Geonosis. Great. That shot of all the Jedi running into all the droids. It's amazing, man. It's so cool. Now, I will say a lot of them get mowed down like absolute chumps, but, the, you know. It sets that up for episode three, too. <laughs> yeah, it does, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's so awesome. And um, I love the scene right before that where they're tied to the pillars and and uh, they, they're each fighting their own um, uh, kind of little monster or whatever. So, yeah good stuff there in geonosis yeah but i do like i do like where um who is it? is it kiati mundi is he the guy with the tall head yes um okay so at the very beginning where padme's like i think count dooku's behind the attack and he goes he's a political idealist not a murder not a and then like two hours later he's like don't worry viceroy she will die <laughs> okay listen to this i'm not making this up in the old canon before disney pot star wars did you know kiati mundi 
was married uh, against the uh, Jedi code. He, he was allowed to marry because the population of his uh, planet was wiped out by like a plague or something like that. And so he was allowed to marry to help uh, increase the population. But get this in the old canon, he had like 20 wives. <laughs> oh, 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 Disney. Not even kidding. As soon as they bought that and they found out they got wind of that, they changed it really quick. Yeah. That, that would have definitely had a warning on Disney plus where it's like some cultural depictions, you know, or <laughs> yeah, no joke, man. Oh, that's good stuff, man. What a player. I knew it. I knew it. I could just tell <laughs> my God, I do that around, man. It kind of drives me crazy a little bit in these movies. It happens maybe in this one more than any other, but it drives me crazy how often the Jedi just drop their lightsabers in a fight. They're constantly dropping their lightsabers, man. It drives me crazy. I'm trying to think. When do they drop their... I know Anakin, like, so you know, Anakin drops it twice, but... Well, he drops it when he's, like, on the speeder, on Zeb's speeder. And because he's like, this weapon is your life. And then he gets it ruined. Obi-Wan drops a lightsaber in when he gets um, oh, yeah, hurt yeah, by he does. Um, Anakin immediately gets one of his lightsabers chopped up again. Um, they're always dropping their lightsabers in battle. It's just kind of like, hold on to put a lanyard on the thing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like put a, like a, like an, like an old, like an old Wii controller. Just put a strap around it, you know, <laughs> then just chuck it at the TV to see if it works. And if it doesn't break the TV, you're good. <laughs> So, uh, do you have anything else to add? I thought maybe we could get into our favorites here. Oh, let me just run through a couple things. So, this is one thing that I like. I like how Anakin is when they're getting onto the um, transport to go to Naboo. He's wearing like a poncho. Um, in my mind, it's always been kind of a callback to Luke wearing a poncho. Yeah, um, I just, um, I just think that's cool, good look. Um, to me, it's always kind of okay. looked like a bed sheet. But go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it absolutely does, but we've all worn bed sheets and pretended like they were Jedi robes. I know I have, but, um, <laughs> I think this is funny. So Padme, she, she's like, or Anakin goes, I heard they tried to amend the constitution to make you queen even longer. Cause you were so great. And she's like, yeah, but you know, whatever. I'm like, was she really a good queen? Cause look at what happened on her watch. <laughs> there was a trade blockade, a droid occupation. People were starving. There was a big battle with lots of death. I'm like, <laughs> Really? I mean, that's the best well, queen you got. I'll say this. Uh kind of she would around, but... I know, I know, no. I, I know, but uh if you uh watch the Phantom Menace, she was recently elected. So like in my mind, I think it was only like mm. six or so months uh beforehand she was elected, so she had a second term. She she, she inherited stuff in the previous administration. Yeah, 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 that was that was what happened. <laughs> So, the so the administration idea. gave us these problems, yeah. not me. It's probably Palpatine's <laughs> fault. He's from Naboo too. But um, do you like the idea that Yoda? So they kind of wrote themselves into a corner a little bit because in the original trilogy, Obi Wan says something about Yoda was my master. Well, then they made Episode One, and yeah. it's like. Like on Genesis master. Well, they kind of wrote around that by saying, no, no Yoda's everybody's master because he trains all of them at one point. Do you yeah. kind of like, that? well, I've, I've always taken it as two meetings. Yeah. He trains them all when they're younglings. Uh, but Yoda also, at least according to the old canon before all this, 
um, Yoda was, uh, and we see it in episode three, or he tells, uh, Yoda tells Obi-Wan in episode three, Yoda is the one who trains Obi-Wan to basically be a force ghost and how to communicate with Qui-Gon and stuff. So, uh, so there was that. Okay. Okay. Um, this is just one other thing too. And I'm neither here nor there on it. It's just kind of an observation, but I don't really like how the younglings are training with the little, um, ball droid that shoots. What what's that thing called? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I know what with you're their, talking about. Glass shields down because I don't really like that so much because I've always thought in episode four, it's just like, Hey, here's this thing that's laying around. Um, we'll train with that. Oh, here's a helmet with a blast shield. Just go with that. And it's just kind of like on the fly training instead of being like, Oh, this is a Jedi approved method. I actually, I actually do like it because, uh, so yeah, in episode four, Luke is just wearing like a a pilot's helmet and he just pulls the blast shield down or whatever to train with this ball. But I like, I, I do like those little ball things that shoot lasers. I like to think that is a Jedi training tool. Um, because I, I think it's funny now looking back because Luke, he's having to start from the ground up and he's having to use this glorified child's toy to train uh, like all the young oh, ones okay. are using. I actually like it a whole lot. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, that's an interesting uh, perspective I hadn't thought about. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. I, I like um, to think Obi-Wan held on to that for years because he thought Luke yeah. was going to use it. <laughs> Exactly. I have, uh, here's another thing. I have always wanted to be able to float a pair like Anakin does with Padme <laughs> in that scene. I thought that Big was so CGI cool. Bear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely CGI. It's, when she takes a bite out of that thing, she is biting air. <laughs> one, one thing. Oh yeah. It's, it's a terrible looking shot whenever she bites into that, but it is hilarious. I think whenever during that scene, Anakin, he's like, so he's like hyperventilating, telling this story to Padme. He's like so excited, like aggressive negotiations, you know, <laughs> he gets so yeah, excited funny that this maid, too. maid walks in, brings him like a plate of something or whatever. She turns around as and to walk away. And as soon as she turns around, he turns to her and goes, thank you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, that's funny. I hadn't noticed that. Look at you finding things that nobody noticed. Um, okay, I love the... Uh, that, well, I'm glad. Uh, Boba Fett, he says, yep, that's that's what I said. I put Boba, yep. colon, yep. <laughs> so we, we talked about that. <laughs> um, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> I literally did cross that out. Uh Okay, I love the sound design uh, in the asteroid chase when he's chasing Django and Boba. The systemic charges, so awesome. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When Obi-Wan is chasing him. And I like how Obi-Wan, when he's being fired on by uh, Django, he's not like super upset. He's like, uh, this is why I hate flying is for stuff like that. He's not yeah. like, really he's just like kind of casually about it. And then the last thing I do want to hit on, oh, actually, there's two things. I just found the other thing. Um, we get our last, I hate them, lip quiver. Uh, that's when he he kills not just the men, but the women and the children. I hate them, lip quiver. And then uh, I've always thought this, when Padme jumps off of her pillar and lands on that reek or whatever. Oh, no. Me. Oh, my gosh. Whew. All right. And then we hit on all my points. Now we can move on to final thoughts. <laughs> two, two things real quick. One, that last lip quiver, 
that I honestly think that's a great scene from Hayden Christensen. I think it's acted really well. And I love the fact that it takes place in, you know, the part of the Lars Homestead we get to see in episode four. I just really like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the part about Padme landing on that thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's, that's just terrible. That should not have made final cut. (laughs) No. I mean, Anakin lands on it pretty hard too as well, but oh. Well, he's a Jedi. Maybe he could soften the blow a little bit, but my God. <laughs> he jumps from she like three stories feet. up. Oh. All right. <laughs> I just got to get that eye. We, it, I would be remiss if we did not mention that <laughs> with Attack of the Clones. <laughs> and on that note, we end our story notes and we move into our favorites and least favorites. Um, so Ryan, go ahead and tell me what's your favorite scene in this movie. All right. Oh, actually I've got a couple of just like production notes. I did want to go over real quick first. Um, this was actually at the time was the only movie until I guess solo, maybe, maybe another movie. Uh, but this was the only star Wars movie that did not finish the year at number one on the U S domestic box office. It finished behind, do you know what movie it finished behind? I'm going to let you guess. 2002. It's a movie we've Spider-Man. reviewed on the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Spider-Man finished domestically at 403 million. Thank Clone goodness. War. Yeah, I know. Attack of the Clones. 310. Two Towers came in at number three. 262. And to round off the top 10, we had Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets, Big Fat Greek Wedding, Signs, Austin Powers, Gold Member, Men in Black 2, Ice Age, and Die Another Day. It's like a weird time capsule just looking at old box office stuff. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan was but, still 007. That tells you how old this movie is. I know. And uh, I just wanted to go over a couple of alternate castings for Anakin real quick. Um, at the time, I think... Leo. Every, yep, that's the main one, actually. But I think at the time, pretty much every big name actor in like that 18 to 25 range was, <laughs> was rumored. But here's a couple. Ryan Felipe who's sort of well-known Paul Walker, Christian mm. Bale, Heath Ledger, and Leonardo DiCaprio were kind of the, the big ones. In my opinion, there were a bunch though. A Heath bunch. Ledger would have been awesome, man. He would have been great. He just came off of 10 things I hate about you. So, I mean, you knew he could do the love stuff. Uh, that's all I've got. We can go. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. What's your favorite scene? I, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Um, my favorite moment is actually when we talked about it earlier, when you see the shadow of Anakin on the side of like the Lars kind Mm. of homestead. Um, that's just a nice moment. And I think it's super cool. Um, very star Warsy music is good there. We kind of hear the force theme a little bit. Yeah. That's my moment. So, and anything with Django Fett, I, we haven't really talked about him much, but, Django Fett is so great in this movie. In my mm, yeah, any of the Django Fett stuff. Uh, I'll yeah, let's talk about him for a second. I was gonna say this. Watching it last night, I love Django Fett. I think Django is great. I love his ties to Boba. I, I all of that is great. Um, I think it would have been less controversial at the time. Um, for Django to be in this movie and kind of be the origin for Boba Fett. I think all of that would have been taken a lot better if they had left 
Django and Boba out of the marketing for this movie and let it be a surprise to audiences. Oh, yeah, because Django is front and center on that movie poster. Yep. So, and that's what I mean. I really think they were they were trying to cater to audiences with this movie in a few ways and trying to get butts in the seats uh, after the Phantom Minutes. Yeah. I think they were really worried, and that's why they decided to really push Django a whole lot. So. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Very cool. But yeah, what's your favorite moment though? Uh, my favorite scene. <laughs> my favorite scene is actually uh, the scene I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago. It's the scene right after. Well, I'll tie them together. I, I do like the scene. Or not, not when uh, Shmi, Anakin's mom, dies, but the part right after that whenever he goes and attacks the... Uh, Tuscan Raiders. That's that's a cool part, even though it cuts away really quick. Uh, and then, but my favorite scene actually is right after that, whenever he goes back to the Lars homestead and he's sitting in the garage area where we see Luke in Episode Four, and uh, he's upset. He he has a little fit, um, and I not I, you know a lot of people get cracked up at that scene. They're like, my gosh, he's so whiny. He, he he's all this. He's he's such a whiner. All he can do compl- is complain and moan and gripe. His mom just died. <laughs> his mom literally died right in front of him. <laughs> yeah, his mom just died right in front of him. He had to barrier. He he's he is emotionally drained. Because uh, you know the woman he loves won't accept him. It. I and when you watch it in that sort of context, that scene is a whole lot better. And um, it, it's and because of its location and because of the way it's acted and every, I just really like that scene. That, it is a pivotal scene, actually, in the whole scheme, the, the saga because or the saga because saga. That's <laughs> that's where that's a big turning point in Anakin's life and you know, there are all these like soft choices or little compromises that he makes along the way that ultimately leads him to go too far. And that's just one of those many um, instances where he made a kind of a, he did the wrong thing. He let his anger Jedi's aren't, you know, yeah. whatever. You, yeah. you don't know all that. I, I, th- I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. I think that's actually a pretty important scene, the whole grand scheme of things. So, yeah. And uh, I'll add to that in the old Canon, uh, Basically, Anakin told Padme he never wanted to discuss it again, so they didn't. They never discussed what he did to the Tuscan Raiders ever again. They just ignored it. Um, however, giant bant in the room, am I right? <laughs> it kind of plays into the next movie, Revenge of the Sith. Whenever you know Palpatine at the beginning of the movie goes, "Remember what you told me about your mother and the Sand People." Um, yes, it's like the. You know, Anakin wouldn't even tell his own wife, but he uh, told, you know, this dude who would become Emperor Palpatine. So that plays into it. So that's interesting. Well, that's something I noticed in this movie, too, is that, like, he seems to have more respect for Palpatine than he does for Obi-Wan. Yeah, heck yeah. And I was baffled by that. But then I thought last night, I was like, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because Obi-Wan's constantly telling him everything he's doing wrong. And then when he goes to talk to Palpatine, Palpatine is like, you're pretty great and wonderful, and you're the best there's ever been. And it's natural. Anakin would be like, I like this guy who's always pumping me up, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But you uh, got a favorite character, though? Yeah, that's what I was about to bring up. I think my favorite character in this movie 
it's close. I do love Obi-Wan and I really like Anakin too. I appreciate both their stories, but I think I'm going to have to give my favorite character to Yoda in this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Mace Windu and I'm like, hold on, man. <laughs> oh, oh, no. This party's over. No, uh, yeah, that oh, Yoda's cool. Uh, he sits around a lot and uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, he's... He's a to the forward perimeter, take me or whatever he says. But uh, well, no, my favorite camera, character. Bring me a ship. Yeah, <laughs> very good, Commander. Uh, my favorite's Obi Wan. He's cool. Everything he does in this movie is cool. He's got a. He goes on a. He goes on an adventure, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I like him. I think he's awesome. So. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, kind of the final favorite part. Uh. We have yet to talk about it yet, but we got to. We got to talk about John Williams' magnificent score for this movie. What is your favorite piece of music uh, from this movie? So the newest bit of music that stands out to me the most is, I guess, kind of the the love theme music, mm-hmm. which is good. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but uh, I really kind of like the Darth Sidious theme I really like the across the stars uh, love theme, but my favorite piece of music is actually, I don't know what it's called. I wish I had looked it up before we got started, but you hear like strings. you have a favorite action sequence at all my favorite my favorite action sequence in this is the third act battle uh the clone war coming to life i love it yeah there are several battles in this movie uh action sequences and i quite frankly like, I like them all, them all i like them all except, uh for the uh the uh the droid factory scene with Anakin and Padme to me, it's just so unnecessary. It, it, yeah. it, in fact, it was a reshoot that oh, yeah. George thought there needed to be action there. No, they could have just rewritten a couple of scenes and we could have gone straight into the execution scene, but yeah, no, no we, to yeah. Me it's unnecessary. It's cool, yeah. but it's unnecessary. Shut me down. Machines making machines. How perverse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i love the Django obi-wan fight but i also love when the clone troopers yeah arrive. that's great stuff that's sh- but uh do you have a favorite quote well i was, gonna, I was gonna say right, go i ahead think my favorite that. shot in this movie you just made me think of it is whenever the clones arrive and rescue the jedi we get that shot of the gunship rising above uh the uh, arena and like you see it's missiles like loading and into the missile slots and then it starts to go forward and we look out and we can see like the battle in front of us. Oh, it's great. I love that. Yeah, I love this shot too, where they, the little, the center part of the droid federation ship are are, rising, you know, the round ball things and they shoot it down and, and it falls and it creates that like sandstorm. And then it's just like shot like a sandstorm with all these blaster fire going and, and, the troopers are illuminated by the light. It's yeah, it's great. Great stuff. But, uh, do you have a favorite? Quote well, first did you tell, Oh yeah, you did. Never mind. Um, favorite quote. I have one. If you need a minute to think. Sure. Yeah. You go ahead. Yep. That's mine. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not mine. No. Uh, 
I like this quote. It's a really kind of odd quote, I guess, to say, oh, that's my favorite. But uh, I like the one where Jango's like, always oh, a pleasure to meet a Jedi. But uh, I like that one a lot. And I really love the line. I think it's, I don't know why I think it's so funny. And I've told you this many times, but where Anakin and Obi-Wan are chasing Zeb and and they don't follow him. He goes, what are you doing? And he goes, this is a shortcut. And then they get to the shortcut and he goes, I'm terribly sorry, master. And Obi-Wan goes, that was some shortcut, Anakin. He went completely the other way. way. (laughs) I just always liked his delivery there. And I say that all the time. Like anytime something something doesn't happen right, I'm like, he went completely the other way. (laughs) We we completely did talk about one of your minds favorite parts that we get so cracked up it's whenever all the jedi show up at the battle at the end and there's that one girl who sticks her hand out. oh it's so hard to describe if you've never seen it but there's a jedi she lights up her lightsaber and she puts her hand in front of her and then in a sweeping motion she like puts it behind her like kind of a whoa look and if you've seen it you know what we're talking about but if you haven't you're like what? and it's the goofiest thing you've ever seen in your life so spunky she's just like oh it's so funny (laughs) yeah it's a stop in the the name of love (laughs) oh you had a mind meld there brady that was awesome i know it was awesome but uh yeah my favorite line in this movie it's so dorky but literally since i've been a kid every time this moment comes i always so we cut to um, the battle is going on at the end of the movie and we cut to like the inside of the separatist command center and we see this wide shot of like, they've got like a hollow projection screen in front of them and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, um, the trade, it's the viceroy for the trade federation. <laughs> There's a little pause before he says this, but every time it comes on during that little pause, I always say it right before he says it. And I always get cracked up. He goes, the Jedi have unmasked a huge army. <laughs> I just like the way he says it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, ever since I was a kid, I've always said it. The Jedi have unmasked a huge army. Huge army. I also honorable mention it's got to be said is when Obi-Wan's like, I was beginning to wonder if you had got my transmission. He goes, we got it. And we transmitted it. Like you requested master. Then we decided to come and rescue you. Good, good job. job. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. That's great. And Hayden's good in that scene too. Yes, he is. It, that was something I meant to bring up earlier was like, uh, there's a point in this movie where I, I think it was probably like, they had been shooting for a while now. It just seems like Hayden Christensen gets better from the kiss in the tunnel uh, oh, before they go out to yeah. execution. After that, he just, he's great after that. I I agree. He is. No, I'm taking him now. <laughs> I think I know. Um, so yeah, let's uh, give our least favorites real quick. Do you have a least favorite scene? Mine right off the bat, I'll tell you, is the fireside chat. Yeah. I hate that so much i love the scene though where he's riding that like bean and like they do like the they yeah. roll around and frolic in the water yeah <laughs> i hate that it's so dumb but he does that's good meme material because he laughs when he laughs and he because he's like tricked or like oh he's dead or whatever and she's like annie and he flips over and he's like ah! <laughs> <Got> this goofy <laughs> yeah my name though fireplace fireside chat yep fireside chat do you have a least favorite character 
Mm. <laughs> Boba, maybe. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's Boba. <laughs> and it's all because of that one stupid line that he's a kid and he just butchers it. Uh, no, it's a uh, get him, dad. Get him. Fire. Yeah, fire. <laughs> he's terrible. I mean, I, I hate to say a kid is a bad actor, but in that one line, that was really bad. <laughs> You know what's funny? I think that guy has actually kind of embraced Star Wars because I've seen him. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, Dan- yeah. Uh, Daniel, what's his name? Um, I don't remember. Daniel Logan? That sounds that right, name? actually. Anyway, but at the time when they cast him, he had never he seen knew Star Wars. Movie. They cast the one kid in the world who had never seen Star Wars. I and who didn't give a crud about Star no, Wars either. I just think that's amazing. But uh, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a behind the scenes. Yeah, it's Daniel Logan, by the way. Okay. Um, there's a behind the scenes thing wherever, um, you know, they cast the kid and they like show him a Star Wars encyclopedia book and show him Boba Fett from episode five. And he's like, whoa, look at him. His outfit is so cool. I get to grow up and be that dude. Yeah, kid. <laughs> like, no, you're going to wear this, wear this bleak gray outfit the whole movie, though. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Section so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's go ahead and give our final score for the movie here, unless you got something to add. Do you? No, no, not at all. I'll let you go first because I think I went first last time. So, well, no, I was about to say, I think, uh, I went first last time. So, I think I went We're first. We're so polite. Okay. I'll go then. Um, I don't care. I'll, I'll go because I'm ready. Um, so I think I've made this clear. I really enjoy this movie a lot. I've seen it many, many times. Um, and it's holds a special place in my heart for me, reasons I've mentioned throughout the episode. Objectively, it's probably about a six out of 10, I would say. And this is kind of how I would summarize it. Uh, I would say poor performances hamper a disjointed yet captivating narrative of forbidden love in the backdrop of war and intrigue. And uh, that's kind of my gosh dang. That's Roger Ebert's type stuff. <laughs> that's right kind of my button on that right there. <laughs> What's your final score? Uh, six out of ten. Oh, you're giving it a six out of ten. Yes. Oh, you're being objective. I thought you were going to say objectively. I should give it this. Oh, but do, do, I enjoy it. Like if I, as far as like on an enjoyment scale, probably like a nine. Honestly, yeah. I want. I want to make something really clear. I, I probably should have told you this, Ryan. I'm not. Yeah. I I love these movies unabashedly, and so I'm really not being as objective as I should be during the, uh, the Star Wars rewatch. So, That's uh, fine, yeah. man. We just yeah, go by so, feeling here. Yeah, so Phantom Menace, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, for this one, I'm going to go uh, slightly higher. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Very nice. Don't disagree with that at all. You know what I'm looking forward to, Brady? talking about the next step yes because you know me revenge of the sith is it it just might be my favorite star wars movie of all time and i'm not even kidding i i freaking love revenge of the sith i love it too personally and i think objectively it's a pretty darn good film to boot it is amazing man oh i can't wait there's a lot to like about that movie and i'm i'm super it's been a while since i watched it honestly probably a year or more so I'm very yeah it, yeah it's been a while for me I haven't watched it in 4K yet I may watch it tonight who knows oh um, well, look at you 
<laughs> so yeah that wraps up our talk for episode two attack of the clones uh so you can be on the lookout for our next episode of summer of the St- uh summer of the star wars summer of star wars uh we're gonna be talking about <laughs> the star wars <laughs> you should have seen my face i did that meme face of that kid where he's got his face all scrunched up yeah, you know yeah so we're gonna be talking revenge of the sith next time we're both super excited to talk about that in the meantime though you can go check out our first episode review of uh the mandalorian behind the scenes uh series called disney gallery the mandalorian uh the second episode as of the time of this recording has now come out uh, Ryan and I are uh, going to be watching that here soon and doing a review over that soon as well. So you absolutely can for that. Uh, be sure to subscribe to both the movie wasteland and the Mandalorian after show show podcast feeds. You can uh, check out all of our content there. It's great stuff. And uh, <laughs> we put a lot of work into it, <laughs> um, but also, yeah, we try at least, uh, but uh, while you're here, go ahead and leave us a rating. I am stumbling through this exit. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You've got so much. We're, you're diversifying so much, and you've added another one on top of it because you, we now have an Instagram, and you got to remember that crap too. Yeah, I know. I was just about to get to that. So uh, while you're listening to this, though, go ahead and leave us a rating. We don't care what it is, but it better be five stars or we will hunt you down. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just leave us a rating. It really helps us out. Definitely appreciate all of you for subscribing and rating us. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TMW Online and at TMW Pod, uh, respectively for both. And now, yes, we are also on Instagram as well. You can follow us at the movie wasteland. Go ahead and follow us there. Uh, that would be awesome. Ryan, do you got anything else to add to this massive episode? <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of a good line, but I can't. We already said them all. No, <laughs> you should have said, yep. <laughs> well, I was going to save that, but then I was like, wow, how can I fit that in? Uh, time is I'm on a time crunch and I can't do it. I can't do it. Another story for another time. Oh, there you go, mate. Yeah, there we go. Star Wars related, not Attack of the Clones related. (laughs) All right. We're signing off. We'll see you next time for Revenge of the Sith right here on the movie Wasteland. Shoot her or something. That's what I should have said. Yeah, yeah, that would have worked.